a story i went down a rabbit hole this morning um we're already kind of bsing a little bit we went down a rabbit hole this morning and i was like okay you know i gotta wear i gotta wear a tj cap and a tj shirt even though this is just recorded and the people that listen to this won't be able to see what i'm wearing but i'm going through my um my t-shirt drawer like i do once or twice you know every couple years and i was looking for my TJ shirt and I found it and it's one that's got, it's really pit stained out. Like I wear black all the time and I get these really rad, like white pit stains on there. Keith, are you with us? Got it, man. No, my, my bad. My bad. Oh, look at you go. We got Bobby Keith. What's up, Bobby Keith? What's up, DJ? How are you doing, man? I didn't mean to interrupt your pit stain. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, I, we might as well keep all this stuff. So I was going through my, uh, my closet through my drawer and my, my drawer with my t-shirts in it, it literally like the t-shirts are sitting on top of other t-shirts now and the drawer itself doesn't even close. And that's when I know it's time to start going through and, and finding the ones that are all pitted out. And um, we do this cool thing. We make blankets and we make quilts out of them. Like, like make these big t-shirt quilts from this company that, that does it. So I never have to throw my, my t-shirts away, my concert shirts and all my friends that play that keep me clothed and whatnot. Anyway, we turned them in these really rad blankets. And uh, so I was going through and I found my TJ shirt. And then I just culled all the ones that I had pitted out. And this was one of them, but I had to wear it today. So that is basically my way of, of asking you if I could get maybe another TJ shirt or two. Of course. I, you know, I, it occurs to me a really interesting idea. Could you just cut the, the pit squares out and make a whole quilt out of just the pit squares? <laughs> <laughs> you have a dog blanket for them puppies. <laughs> I could do something creative, I'm sure, but you can't you can't see it. But you know, it's like I, you know, I sweat profusely from my my armpit region. Um, so yeah, that's what we do. We we uh, we make t-shirts out of it and and or uh, blankets out of the t-shirts. And actually, I already have a couple of blankets with uh, my my TJ uh, t-shirts. But uh, yeah, this one's uh, about to be in retirement mode. We'll send a new shipment your way. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that was, that was a hell of a segue. We might as well get, get rolling here. Let's just uh, keep the pit story to Seth. You know, it's a good way to start the new year, but this is uh season three, episode three of a couple in with me, Cody Jinx, Josh Thompson. Hey, Josh. Hey buddy. Uh, happy new year. Yeah. Happy new year to you. Did y'all have a good new year? We did, man. We had a great new year. Um, we we had uh, some of my nieces over and uh, we laid low, man. We did the thing in the kitchen, man. What'd y'all do? Pretty much the same. Laid low. Uh, went to the parents for uh for for an afternoon to to exchange gifts. But yeah, man, we, we kept it pretty simple, and it it was great. It was a nice, cool. just relaxed downtime. It didn't feel like Christmas because it was eighty five degrees. So you know, I sweated my ass off on Christmas Day, which is really weird. Cooking yeah. a ham. Cooking a ham. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to be able to be bundled up, you know, let the fire keep you warm. No, man, I was sweating all day long. 
Golly, I had a good uh, ham though. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, good. Good to see you again, man. And uh, Bobby Keith, Bobby Keith Kilgore. Happy New Year to you, buddy. Glad we got your shit working. Yeah, man. Me too. Happy New Year to y'all. I uh, hope everybody had a good one. And it was it was low key for me. I didn't. I popped like six fireworks and built Legos till two a.m. I'm good. Sounds like a party. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing like late night Legos. Well, good, 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 man. Good to see you for the. Hey, how are them puppies? They're good, man. We just good. had puppies, and uh, they're a little over two weeks old now, and and uh, we have nine great uh, baby Great Pyrenees pups. They're giant. They're huge. It's the biggest puppies. They look <laughs> like they look like full size wiener dogs. They're they're <laughs> enormous. But no, they're they're all doing good. They. I'm glad we've been home. We've been had a lot of time to play with them. But uh, this uh this gentleman that we're about to talk to was not taking it easy on New Year. He was playing New Year. Uh, he was playing in Oklahoma, just a little bit north of where he lives now currently, uh, but a little bit south of where you're from originally, right? And uh, we have not just an acquaintance, not just a friend, a dear, dear friend. And I'm going to ask you so many questions today, TJ, and I have so many good stories that we're going to talk about. But you know him as Tennessee Jet. I just call him TJ, and he's our special guest today. Hey, buddy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and all you guys. Hey, bud. How was the show? Uh, show's good. Just a uh, couple of shows to finish up the year. And, uh, yeah, just uh, looking forward to – I always like New Year's. I've just always I've, – I've always liked New Year's for just the, you know, the – the road ahead and the opportunities. And I think sometimes in this, in this uh, job, we, we don't realize some of the stuff we do over the course of the year. So sometimes it's nice to look back at the end of the year and like, go, Oh no, I did some stuff that I feel pretty good about, or, you know, good memories and met some new people and stuff like that. And so I'm always looking forward to the next year that comes up to see what, what new things will come. Are you a resolution guy? Uh, I make them. I just don't keep them. Yeah, I uh, I think I'll try to make a few and keep them this year, though. Just a few, like, a few things that I won't tell anybody about, and then if I don't do it, then no harm, no foul, but at least I'll know. And, you know, we're our own worst critics anyway, so it's like, you know, I don't feel I need to tell anybody about it. Well, actually, I do. Yeah, just to, you know, I need to, there's just a, you know, there's always those things you want to do to just kind of, like, grow and uh, what you're doing. I want to get better playing piano and uh, you know, write a few different types of songs, things like that, but probably the same stuff that I'm, I would, I would, uh, try to do, whether it was a new year's resolution or just, you know, July doesn't matter. We're always just kind of trying to grow. I'm going to start trying to work out more. Yeah, I need to do that. I ate way too much over the uh, holidays. You're looking real <laughs> chunky, real looking, you know, real chunky. Um, I'm working on it though. <laughs> I, I drank way too much. I've been drinking this. Uh, there's this. Uh, it's called Tom and Jerry mix, and it's like from they have it up north. It's basically like eggnog that you mix with water and whiskey. And uh, man, I drank like tubs of that stuff. I recently found out that Christmas calories don't count, and I was told it's you know it's that two weeks, that week before and week after. So really, it only starts now, TJ. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, then I'm doing good then. Yeah. Nice. Well, good. Yeah, as as you're sipping on the old fashioned. Here's to us health nuts. 
<laughs> well, hey, let's go back to because uh, we 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 try not to keep anybody over an hour. Um, after that, it starts usually. Uh, sometimes we go an hour and a half. We get some good ones and stuff. And I have a feeling, you know, uh, you might. But there's a lot to talk about, and so I want to jump right into it. And um, you were actually my guinea pig for the first time I ever tried when I was when you, you were at the house writing. And, uh, and I was like, Hey, can I test you out as a Guinea pig? And I recorded that conversation and I have not listened to it since, but I went back and found it. It was June 5th of 2019 and I'll listen to it now later, but I'm sure it's probably bad. But then you were actually on one of the first ones, uh, when we were doing a Christmas show a few years ago and that we lost control of that one real early on. Yeah. The, uh, that was, that was fun. That first, uh, that first, uh, that trial, so to speak. I, I remember, all I remember is that we were both just, it was very therapeutic and we were both crying. Tears were running down our face. <laughs> Somehow and we ended up without our shirts on. I don't know. It was weird. It, I just, it just remember, it's not your fault. And I was like, I know, man. And you just kept saying it over and over. And then it finally sunk in and then the tears just started flowing. Yeah, it was very cathartic. That's why we're still doing it. That's, that's why we're having you back, man. I really, I wanted to step in and, and really talk about some emotional stuff with you today. So, Always, was, yeah. No, um, TJ and I go back a few years and I was trying to think of, of I know when we met and I was trying to think of when it, when it was. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was January of 16. Um, if that sounds right, somewhere around there. I can trace it back because, uh, because it was at a show. And so, therefore, I can figure out the exact uh, exact day. But that sounds about right. Lauderdale yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. You and Jim Lauderdale were um, were playing Poor David's Pub, and uh, my wife and I uh, had a date night that night and got, uh, I believe, her mom to watch the kiddos. And we drove out to Dallas to Poor David's, really to see Jim. And uh, and I didn't know you at that time, and. Um, just you were playing acoustic, you know, uh, and if you haven't seen TJ, TJ is, he can do anything. He, he can just sit down with an acoustic and it's amazing. He can do his one man band. And it's amazing. Or you can catch him with a full band. He he's multifaceted, a lot of tools in the bat belt, but, uh, saw you just acoustic that night. And, uh, you were, uh, you were touring on the, the self-titled record you had put out in 2015 and Rebecca and I, needless to say, uh, and we wouldn't be sitting here if we had not, we're blown away. And I remember, and it, back then, like we had just started getting a foothold ourselves. So nobody knew who the hell I was. And so I just walked up and, and I, I just started talking with you. And I said, man, you know, just, we really love your stuff. Um, I had a $20 bill. I mean, I was like, you know, I'd like to get a CD. And Tiffany, your wife, um, who we will uh, we will we will talk about her as well because she is such a, a big part of of what you do. Um, she's like, I don't have any change yet, and I said, just give me two. And I said because I have a feeling one's going to end up in my wife's car as well, and, and one did, and she put one in hers, and I put one in mine, and uh, the rest, um, as we say in the business, is history. Um, We've uh, written a lot of songs together and uh, and become good friends over the years. Um, but do you remember that show? I mean, like, do you, do you remember, like, how many people were there or, or you know, the vibe or, you know, what do you remember about it? Yeah, I do. Uh, of course, I'm a, I'm a big Lauderdale fan as well. And so uh, 
It was a pretty small crowd, though. I think there's probably like 80 people there. That that's I'm really bad at guessing the uh, attendance it, it shows, but um, but uh, there was you know it was just a just a solo acoustic gig, and and uh, we driven down. I remember uh, I remember seeing you walk across there because I more of the crowd that was there was uh, and for lack of a better word, they're more buttoned up maybe more straight laced kind of, you know, a little bit of an older crowd. And then you got this guy with this big beard, like walking around there. And, uh, so I remember, I remember you kind of caught my eye and then, uh, but, but not knowing I wasn't uh, familiar with your stuff at that point yet either. And so, uh, and then whenever, uh, and then got to basically just briefly meet there. I know Tiffany, she, I'm sure she had changed, but she's probably that old trick where you just say, you know, I'm So he's so nice. <laughs> but, um, and then, the next time we saw it was, uh, you're doing a show in Nashville and we were happened to be in Nashville at the same time. So we just dropped in and, and caught the show for the first time. And, uh, it, it was, it was, you know, like what you're saying, it was just like, Oh shit, this is, this is really good. You know, cause you're used to, especially in Nashville, you can find whatever you're looking for, but you don't really find a lot of, uh, a lot of bands that and I don't really like to use the term, but it's the fastest way to say it. You don't really find a lot of like really good, outlaw country influence type stuff you know and like i said it's a weird term it's a loaded term because there's but you know the real thing where you're where your influences are more on that willie nelson waylon jennings merle haggard that kind of thing and so um so seeing y'all for the first time there at that uh gosh i don't even remember what it's called but the uh was really just the eye-opening experience it's always cool whenever uh whenever people are uh uh, are, are nice to you, get along with people and you actually like their music too, you know, it helps, it? <laughs> there, there's a lot of times where, you know, there's a lot of times where you, it, someone is really, really nice, but just like, damn, you know, their music just doesn't do anything for me and you wish that it would. And so uh, whenever you're not only a, uh, you become a big fan of the person's work, but then also just as a, as a person, that's just kind of, it's a fortunate situation. So, which, and it's one that uh, Tiffany and I found ourselves in when it comes to you and, and your whole band. So it's like, a, uh, yeah, there's, you know, it's funny too. There's sometimes, you know, when there's, there could be someone's music that you actually not only don't like it, but you actually hate it. And then you get to know them and damn, they're just so nice. And you're like, well, you know, that one song ain't so bad, you know, and about it, I don't know, you, you get to know them a little better and you're like, God, that's a really, really great person. Just a good person to be around. It's like, you know what? that record is not the worst record I've ever heard. And pretty soon you're like, that person's amazing. Their music's great because it's just, it influences you, you know, your, your personal, uh, your affinity for the, for someone personally will affect the way you feel about their music. Now I liked your music before we didn't actually met just off that one show, but it was, uh, but I always find it funny the way that, uh, how much the personal will influence the art itself and, and the person listening to that art. And there are people that I used to think that, I used to really like what they were doing, but then they just, over the course of whether it's just the way they treat people that I've seen or, or just the way they present themselves, I just don't have anything to do with their music anymore. Cause you just kind of can sour you on a person, you know, and it doesn't really matter, uh, you know, how good someone's music are music is if they're just a total asshole, it's, it's that much harder to just like actually care. There's just too much to listen to. You can find someone out there that's not an asshole, you know? And so I found, you know, I find that I'm one of those people, whenever I go see somebody, you know, like such as yourself or um, whoever, 
uh, we have all the same friends. We write with them and they're y'all all over my records. And uh, when I go see somebody, it's like, man, I really, really, really hope that person's cool and we can write some cool stuff together. You know, that's the first thing I think it's like, man, all right, I'm so digging with this person, this guy or this girl is laying down. Like, this is great. Um, man, I hope they're cool. I hope they're cool. And maybe we can swap numbers and maybe we can write some songs. Cause that's how people meet. It's like, man, I was watching so-and-so down at this little joint and, you know, and, and we just started talking and we hit it off. And then the next thing, you know, it's like, wow, those, those guys got together and wrote my favorite song, you know, and, and that's how that stuff happens. So it's, it's a unique opportunity, you know, and, and, and you're fortunate when those things happen. Well, and it's, and it's interesting too, because I've always kind of, you know, we're in a, we're in a really a business of so much, uh, for lack of a better word, people have always got to kind of put up a front of what they represent, you know, and how they, they act and the value they want to present to everyone else. And so, you don't find a lot of people that will just come out and even say like, man, I really dig what you do. You know, it, oftentimes it's a lot of people kind of, you know, playing it cool. And I've always just been the kind of person where if I liked what someone was doing, um, no matter what level they were at, um, I just want to say that because I know that, you know, it, it needs to encourage people at least like I want more of the kind of stuff that I like in the world. So I feel like I need to encourage it. <laughs> so if I so if I hear it, then I want to tell people that. It's a little bit for my own selfish reasons because I want more of that out there. Um, and I think that it, sometimes people, and I know that there's periods where you, uh, you know, this is such a business of highs and lows. And there are periods when things are so low and you wonder if anyone's listening at all. And sometimes it only takes one person that you respect to say like, man, that's a good song. I dig that song or like, you know, that whole record or that whatever it is. Um, I think it's good for artists to support other artists in that way. Well, and I couldn't, yeah, the, the, in your, in your case, uh, your song, what kind of man, uh, that was the song that grabbed me that I was like, Oh my God, man. Yeah. I got to rock with this guy. Uh, you know, and since then, you know, you and I have, have written a lot of songs together. We've been fortunate to, and we've written at my house, we've written together uh, in El Paso, but the song that the, there's a couple of songs that really stand out in my mind. Um, you pay attention in conversations that you have with people and you retain so much of that. Um, and we've ended up getting songs based off of conversations that we had in the past that you had remembered us having and brought it up and you were, you know, you would, it, it, you'll start a conversation and you'll be like, Hey, do you remember this conversation that we had about this and this and this? And then we end up writing a song about it, you know, and in two cases in point, you know, um, we're, uh, we're angel, even angels fear to fly a song about my dad, um, the Raven and the dove, uh, you know, that was kind of the same kind of scenario. Um, that's why it's fun to write with you because, I feel like you really listen to me when I'm talking to you, man. If more people would do that, we'd have better songs. I think Lifers was the same way. Um, just talking about just like, you know, the road and and things like that. I just, I don't know. I just feel like the uh, the only point if you're going to co-write um, with someone is to try to find things in them that you want to like pull out for songs, you know? And I think it's always good to be aware of like, 
what really makes people tick. And it's a weird thing because I, it's a bit of a blessing and a curse because I feel like I see people um, and I can, and, and I can kind of get a sense of like what motivates them or um, maybe, uh, you know, what drives them, what they're, what they're really all about uh, pretty quickly. Um, and so I think that like when, in terms of co-writing, my thing is like, I want to find, you know, what is the, what is the essence of that person? What are the things that, that, uh, they represent that other people will get things out of and what can actually be helpful for other people. And so that's why it's so tough to pick your co-writers because, and I don't really, honestly, I don't like co-writing like at all. It's not like I write with like maybe two or three people. I don't think I've written as many songs with anyone else as I've written with you. Um, but whenever I write with these two or three people, I really like co-writing. Like I really enjoy it. And I feel like there's a lot to be gained from it and a lot to learn from it. Um, but co-writing in and of itself is a really weird venture, especially for people that don't know each other very well, because you're like, well, let's just like, let's lay bare what we think about these things and really what we think about them. And like, let's, uh, let's be vulnerable and let's like, talk about mistakes we've made in our lives or, or things that, you know, we we're trying to get out of us, but let's put this in a song. And so you've really got to kind of be vulnerable to get anything that's worth a shit. And so I think in order to do that, you've, for me, at least it's something that I've got to write with people that I like truly care about as people. Um, I've tried to do it the other way where you're just like have a scheduled, right. You sit up and you write with somebody and, it, it almost never works. I mean, I've gotten some songs that people record and stuff, but it's just almost like it never works where I feel like, Oh, that's a song I'm going to put in my set. Like I feel I have connection to that song, you know? And, uh, if you think about it, like all the great novels aren't co-written, you know, it's, it's, you got one writer on them. And so songs are a little bit unique and different in the way that you not only have a lyric, but you've got a melody and then you've got like multiple experiences and then you've got to write it really short. So I, uh, I enjoy, I, I love writing songs with you and, uh, and we, uh, we've gotten a lot of them that I, uh, really, really dig and like playing my own set. And that's really rare. And I think that oftentimes, you know, do you ever feel like when you're writing with somebody, it's like one of the two people you're writing with, it's like, it's really going to be their song. Like you're going to help them write their song, you sure. know? Right. Um, but when we write songs, um, nine times out of 10, it's like, we're just going to write a great song. Like I'm thinking like, well, I'm going to play the song and like, if you like it, you're going to play the song. And to me, that's the, that's the best way to co-write because then you're, you're both really trying to present yourself as raw and as uh, honest as you can um, and not trying to imagine what someone else feels about something. And I guess if you're, if you're amongst like-minded people, then you're only really enhancing and reinforcing the notion of whatever the song's supposed to be about. I agree. I agree. And, uh, gosh, man, I couldn't have put any better, but I, I did want to talk about it. It would have been awesome. You're like, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't put any better, but I wanted to talk about how you write. Um, because you, you're, you're, a, you're a very unique writer and you're a wordsmith. And, and that's, that's really what I appreciate the most and respect, you know, I, you know, respect your writing so much, but like, um, like you don't do a lot of co-writing your, your Nick, your last record, your new record still South Dakota. Cause I mean, you only put it out in September of last year. So that's, that's in our terms, that's still a new record, you know, um, other than uh, just what jumps out at me, bury my bones. Um, 
you wrote with uh, John Jeffers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other other than that, what what was the co-write situation on that record? Other than that, it was just uh, they were all just solitary rights on that one. Okay. The, we tried to. I tried to cut a song that we wrote over quarantine, the Outlaws and Mustangs. But then when it was when it was all said and done, it was like, nah, this is a band song because it just it's just so it's just so much. It's just a band thing. So so I put that one in the back pocket for for that. But um, but but yeah, it was a um, it was a that was just a, and I kind of wanted the record to be something that was a little more um solitary in, in every respect because it's just an acoustic record. Uh, recorded live on the floor and i wanted the songs to feel stark and bare and feel like kind of quarantine felt because you know i was there there wasn't a lot of records out there that sounded like the way that i felt during the lockdown and so i was like well shit i'll just make one then you know i want to make a real dark desolate record but at the end it's definitely an uplifting record but it's uh but so i thought in order to do that i i i picked the song a lot of the songs that were just single rights um, which most of mine are, but, but, uh, but, uh, I felt like it needed to be, it needed to feel really as personal as I can make it. It, it, it was very personal because, um, you know, the song South Dakota itself that starts out with a conversation, uh, you asking your wife, Tiffany, who's on the road with you all the time. Um, if you see TJ, you see Tiffany, uh, it's usually because TJ and I, uh, we can't find our way out of hotels or out of a paper bag. We both have the same problem getting very, very lost very, very easily. Um, so she's usually having to uh, guide him around like a, a blind man, but uh, that's that song. Um, what a way to start a record because having known both of you guys uh, as long as we have and, and having had y'all at our home and and spend as much time with with the two of you as we have and 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 you and you and I've spent a lot of time on the road there together and 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 Tiffany as well I can the the imagery I get from that song dude like I got chills and uh the whole record you know like you said being stark and being the way you felt during lockdown is fantastic and then you get to the good which is song number 10 it's the end of the record and you said that you, you wanted to make it positive and uplifting and you did because I started the record with chills and I finished the record with tears. Oh, that's awesome, man. Thank you. I'm going to put that as my drop quote for all the press in the upcoming thing. <laughs> there you go. That was a good one. I won't even charge you for that one, man. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. The, uh, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, there's the, there's kind of like, the name that we are that represents us, but it, it, it represents so much more than just us. It's like, you know, it's all of us have, uh, you know, wives or significant others, you know, and it's like, uh, so that it really like, so like Tennessee jet is really, you know, me and Tiffany and, uh, and it's just always the, uh, it is so much more goes into it than just what, what, what one person can do. The great Irish poet, um, there was a great Irish poet that said, uh, I want a man that stands beside me, not in front of or behind me. Yeah, Jody Messina, and uh, I think a lot to be. <laughs> a lot to be. I love that song. <laughs> Actually, I didn't. I didn't know she was Irish, but that's that's awesome. Well, she's I, she's redheaded, so she's got to be Irish, right? 
Well, the red hair, I assume, and freckles. That's funny. Yeah, I actually, I bought that record for my wife uh, whenever that song came out. Years, a, several years before we got married. Yeah, I'd sometimes whenever times are tough, I just look up and just say, bring on the rain. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. See, this is this is what I love about we TJ. We were doing so well. Well, but what, <laughs> see, what happens with TJ is one minute you can literally be making fart jokes and the next minute be talking about existentialism. <laughs> it's like it's one thing or, <laughs> and everything in between. And I think that that's why we're we're we've become as good of friends as we have. TJ is one of those guys that like it could be like midnight or one o'clock. And I'm like, mm. I'm going to see what TJ's up to and he'll pick up the phone and not really even say hello. It's more of a, I was just sitting here tonight and I would, and he'll tell us like, hadn't talked to him in months. And then we just are just, it's off to the races, man. Well, especially when you get going on nineties country stuff, it's so inside, you know? Yeah, it is. Oh, that, uh, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't jive with people, but you know, what are you going to do? So it's like be yourself, just not quite so much. Yeah, it's kind of like people in Austin. It's cool to be different as long as you're the same kind of different as us. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Same kind of different. Mm-hmm. Hey, TJ, I want to go back to something Cody was saying about the, uh, you know, he was talking about the imagery in, in the, especially the song South Dakota. And I was actually reading some, some stuff, interviews you did in the past, um, the song Johnny and how, uh, you said you wanted that to feel like a mini movie in, in the songwriting and the production on that. Is that, is that something you try to incorporate, uh, you know, in, in a lot of your stuff or was that kind of a one-off because with, with the South Dakota, I can see that movie uh, taking place. Is that something that you intentionally, uh, intentionally do? I love cinema a lot. Um, and so uh, a lot of times, especially if I'm constructing a record, and I don't think I'm the only one that does this. I imagine a lot of people do this, but like you're envisioning kind of like the, the place that this record is coming from, like the, like the geographically, like where, where is this going to start and where's this going to end up um, in this specific sense. And then also in just the general sense of like, you know, you can talk about very specific things, but like, you know, for me, it might be like driving, make, doing an overnight drive with, with my wife to South Dakota, but that might represent really that. So that's a specific thing, but then generally speaking, it just represents any long, hard journey you got to take that you've and how you feel about the end of it. It's like, well, we're going to get there. Um, and so it's just like, for me, songs are in records, I guess, to that extent too. There's, there's about three songs that are kind of always overlapping. I find that three is about where it usually ends up. You've got the, you've got this very specific uh, literal version of that song, um, the more you know, Hemingway approach. And then you've got the, uh, on top of that, you've got kind of the metaphorical grand general huge sentiment of the song um and then you've got and then you've got songs that become like almost interpersonal uh alternate alternate versions of 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 things that encompass both the specific and the general and i find that like if you just start out writing something very specific and without any sense of like what the what the metaphor of the song is or what it's saying in a broader sense usually somewhere along the way you start discovering like Oh, you know, I'm, I think that I'm singing about like a journey to South Dakota, but really what I'm singing about is like me embarking on this music career. It's like, yeah. it's, it's just a, an overnight drive. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's 10,000 hours worth of drives, you know? And so it's just like, so South Dakota, yeah, it's just, 
it's a uh, you know rapid city is like a, a cool city in south dakota you see mount rushmore but really it's just like what's the end of this road what's it going to be you know what's the what's the grand prize at the end of like this long journey in music and it was kind of important that that was the first song on this record because uh sometimes with this job and i don't think it's like um it's you, you do feel like man i just need to get off the road for a while and not just that overnight drive but sometimes you just feel like i need to step off of this out of, off this career road for a second and just decompress and evaluate and realize like you know do i still love the things that i loved when i first got into it um and 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 like am i am i am i still like fired up when i pick up a guitar to write a song and uh, and evaluate and constantly just pick, and because if you don't do that and if you don't allow yourself at times to say like hey if i want to step back for a day or a week or months and just like decompress that doesn't mean i'm any less driven than i was before um it just means that i that i care enough about it to want to make sure that i'm doing it in the right way and so uh I think that uh, I think that the South Dakota record in a lot of ways represents that. And I think that because it happened during quarantine, we basically had like a uh, a year long legally enforced, you know, exile from from our from our job. Um, you know, there's so many times where I'm the kind of person where like when there's work, I just keep working and I don't allow myself to take any breaks. And I think the only break that I've taken the last 10 years is when my wife and I got married and if there had been a really great opportunity, I don't know that both of us would have said like, we can get married on the sixth, you know? And yeah. so it's just like, so you, you kind of give everything to it. And, uh, and honestly, the quarantine in a lot of ways was kind of a, because it was forced and there wasn't work, even if you wanted it, it kind of made you really reevaluate like how much you love what you're doing, how blessed you are to do it for a living and actually go out there and uh, have things that you created um, means something to people so much where they like bring gifts to shows and they buy tickets to, to come see you and they they uh, they get things made with your name on it like that's bonkers to me if you really think about it it's, i mean i mean it's, it's it's bonkers and the most like amazing blessing that people can do for you like that they will actually take the time and devote part of their day to to creating something whether it's out of metal or they paint it or, or whatever they do and it's got your name on it and they bring it to you and they present it to you or they they devote a wall in their house to you. It's just like, man, we are in a, what a blessing it is to do this for a living. You know, it's just such a great, it's like, I never, I mean, this job is there are times whenever it's obviously like any job, you're going to get stressed out and you're only human. So there's going to be times whenever you're going to take things for granted. But every time that I start to do that, I really start thinking like, Hey, you're not getting shot at every day. You're not in a war zone. You're not running into a burning house. It's like, this is like, it's just a pretty damn good gig, you know? And so it was really a blessing in a lot of ways, the quarantine. And so I, I wanted South Dakota to kind of feel like that. It's like, yeah, it's the record. It's like the first song starts off in the road. And it's kind of where I was mentally. Um, and it kind of goes through periods of evaluating like what's going on around us, whether it's songs like numb or just kind of like our history um, in America with songs like William Faulkner, which could either wanted, be about. I wanted to hit on that actually. Um, you just did. And I had that song circled. Please, please talk about William Faulkner. Well, I, I think it's really, it's, it's so interesting as a country, what we went through in the last two years. I mean, it's, it's just, it's been so radical in so many different ways. Um, and I think that so many of our uh, institutions, which I think maybe we thought we trusted before 
um, on all sides of whether it's your political aisle or just the uh, whether it's like businesses, just nobody trusts anyone um, anymore. And it's like uh, and I understand. I totally understand why. And we've went through so much turmoil. And so it was really hard to express that in a. Uh, uh, and now numb, there's a song there, Numb, that kind of is a little bit more direct to it. But like it I'm really just thinking about America in general, like William Faulkner, even though it's really like literally like we were talking before. Literally, the song is about uh, a mixed race uh, son of a former Confederate soldier and a slave. Um, so the, there's a literal story there. But really, generally speaking, I think that William Faulkner is about America and, and about like our past um, mistakes and our past uh, violence, um, but also the rebirth of that and going into like where we're, where we're headed and that we represent all of that. We represent all the good and all the bad. And uh, so I think that that song is kind of, it's, it's kind of the heart of the record, so to speak. It's also the reason it's like right in the middle of the record. Um, and I just, like I said, I, I want to be super positive. Um, and I think that songs need to have a sense of redemption at the same time, acknowledging uh, the things that uh, make us human and make us flawed. Yeah, that one's, um, that one is a, as the writers like to call it, that one's a think piece. <laughs> that one, uh, that one, I had to go back and, 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 and get on that one a little bit more. I'm, that's why I asked. Uh, I literally had the note written, written uh, where did this come from <laughs> next to that song? So thank you for, uh, for, for doing that. So um, you write constantly and I've, I've heard you say before, you really don't believe in writer's block um, because you, there's input and there's output. Um, as you, as you get to be older and, and, and even talking about how, you know, even quarantine for you was probably a good thing as a break. Cause I know it was for me and I've talked about it on this podcast before, um, uh, as far as my mental space and, and I still do love this and all these kinds of things, you know, moving forward, you know, do you still subscribe to the theory of there's no such thing as mental block, as long as your intake and your outtake are, are ebbing and flowing good? I do. Yeah. I think that, I think that writer's block is, is, is typically just things that writers say when they want to feel pretentious or like they're, they're really, they're more special than the average person because the, you know, they're not, they're not having this awesome creative thing uh, happening, but it's just like, it makes sense though. You've got to, you've got to constantly be inputting uh, new information uh, in order to like process that and then, you know, create art with it. And uh, I think that, uh, I mean, there are periods, and, you can, and that doesn't mean you can't go a year without writing a song. But it's just like, but are you reading? Are you, are you, are you ingesting? You know, as much as you can. Are you paying attention to the, the your surroundings and and things? Now, I will say this: uh, as you write more, um, there are certain songs that you you may feel like, look, I know the potential of this song if I write it to the best of my ability. And it's not worth putting the time and effort into for like when I can put it on another song. So you do be more selective with what you want to write. Um, I don't think that quantity when it comes to like, I think in the beginning, I think quantity is like really important. Like one of the, I heard what um, I remember as, as in my teens, it was like, I think it was like Dean Dillon or someone said like, uh, the, well, if you want to write like a great song, you need to write your first hundred bad ones or something like that. So I set aside a goal. I was like, well, sweet. I'm going to write a hundred bad songs as fast as I can. 
And, uh, and I did it, you know, it, it took me like a semester of college, you know, and all I do is just write, not caring. Um, cause I can, I can, if, if you said like, write me a hundred bad songs in one week, and if you would give me, you know, a, you know, a million dollars or whatever, like, I, I know, I know a hundred percent that I can do it for you. Um, they will just be terribly awful songs. They'll be really, they'll be really, I'll just write the first thing. So it's just like, if, if there's no standard for just like whether it's good or bad, but it's just a song, um, anyone can write a hundred songs in a month at anyone. Um, and the, the funny thing is when you do that and you don't criticize it, you just write the damn song. A lot of times the percentage of those songs that are actually like either a piece of a song that you will later use, or actually just a, a finished really damn good song, you know, is a lot higher percentage than you'd think it'd be. If you just make yourself do it. Um, it just, it's just like no different than any other like job. You just, you know, construction worker just gets his hammer and just starts to hammer nails, you know, it's like, so you've got to do that first. But I think after a while, when you do write songs, then you realize like, okay, I know where this song could go. Now I'm going to sit back and let the song simmer a little bit and see if before I really start on it, I've done the, the, uh, the work. It's like, if you look at like Tarantino movies, like, like the, the character in like once upon a time in Hollywood, the, uh, is it Rick Dalton? I don't know. The you know DiCaprio's character, like all of these characters in Tarantino movies, he's got like a whole like backstory that only he knows about, like what what really went on with this guy's life, and he's got that for the actors to access for their their character or whatever. And I feel like songs are kind of like the same way. Sometimes, especially when you get an idea that you're like, oh, this could be really really good. Um, I think it's better sometimes to like go, I'm going to let this one simmer for a while. And like with the, I think I probably wrote William Faulkner in like 2012. It's an old song. Um, But it was like, there were pieces of it that I didn't quite feel like they were, it was right quite where it needed to be. Um, And so I think that it's like, I think that knowing when you need to just sit on a song and let, let, let it kind of like develop on its own time. And then knowing we need to sit down and actually like, just like hammered out is something that you learn just the more you write. But, um, but yeah, I'm always writing. Um, I'm not always finishing, but I'm always writing. Yeah. I find, um, I find myself with little bits of paper everywhere like we do and you get an idea and things of that nature, but, you know, talk about the hundred songs to get to where you actually feel like you're writing something that's actually worth the shit. You know, you've got to go through those and however your process is to go, you know, to go through that. The, the way I do it now is kind of more like um, I get an idea and I'll let it really percolate and spin round and round and round and round and round and round before I sit down to, to write it. And usually by the time I sit down to write now, I guess because I'm older, um, it's probably about done. Yeah. And that's kind of it, it or it's got a, at least a, a good, strong verse and chorus and and you know, at least I've got a foundation. Um, just because I don't want to sit down. It's I, I sit down and complete more songs than I sit down and don't finish now. Now I don't finish a lot of ideas, you know, or I'll be like, Oh man, that was a good idea. You know, but usually whenever I sit down now and I think it's a lot, cause I, you know, I used to just sit down and write just for the sake of writing. And it just, you read back on it and you're like, Oh my God, this is just dribble. And, you know, I don't want to do that. And, and, you know, being older now, I guess, you know, trying not to uh, write, 
anything that's not just badass in at least in my mind. And I don't know, well, we're all, we're all kind of it, in our own head. Well, the good thing with me and you is like, all we write is badass stuff. I was waiting for you to say something like that, because that's what we talk about. Usually whenever the two of us are in the same, mm-hmm. same room is how great a writers we are. And uh, we're kind of joking. <laughs> well, I will say this. It's, 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 it's good to be in, in, in the company of genius. Cause it's so often just, <laughs> so whenever we can actually sit there, I feel like I'm not alone in this world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if, there's one other person that like that, that can do it the way that I can, you know? And then I just, uh, then we just sit back and just revel in both in our own greatness. Hey man, you know, I guess, you know, we can joke about it and we laugh about it and we always have a good time with it. And we've written some, some really great songs together, but man, you've got, you've got two of my title tracks, man. You know <laughs> that. And uh, I don't think anybody else has, has, two of my title tracks. So you got, you got lifers and the wanting. Yeah. I'm really proud of both those songs. I mean, I mean, just the, uh, well, it's funny. You, you were saying that like now when you sit down and, and you just finish songs, I think that's kind of, it's just from the quantity of songs you've just written over the years. It's the same thing. And now that when we get together and write, I'm doing the same thing. Like I remember with, when it comes to like, uh, like the Raven and the Dove, I think we wrote the Raven and the Dove and the wanting both of them, probably were like 30 minutes, like not each, but like total. We just sat down there at that house in Adobe, uh, it, uh, it's Sonic Ranch. And, uh, and we kind of had, we talked about, it. I mean, I know that like with the, uh, with the Raven and the Dove, just kind of hanging out. Um, we were just kind of talking about your tattoos and, and, and what those meant and stuff like that. So for me, it was kind of just like, uh, I was kind of kicking around in my head for a while that, or we could take that, but then whenever we sat down then you could just kind of just like spill your life out there. And it, and so I think when that happens, like that's the best way to write songs as far as like least effort, highest reward, because then you, so I think there's something to just like letting songs percolate and letting them just kind of become what they become. Um, you're really good about, you're really good about, uh, about getting things in. And, and, and this is a testament to you too, Josh, uh, you guys, uh, Bobby Keith, I don't know. You probably don't bring anything to this part, but that's no, all right. <laughs> no, not me. But, but uh, really good of knowing of just capturing the essence of like what you need in a song without getting so overly, uh, so overly uh, precious about something that you ruin kind of that initial like spark of of the uh, of what the song is is supposed to be about. Um, a lot better, a lot better, I will say than, than I am. I have a tendency sometimes to really like sharpen pencils until there's like, you're down to that eraser part of it, you know? And, um, and I think that that's another reason why co-writing is not necessarily like the most exciting thing for me, unless I'm like writing with you or just a couple of other with Alex Williams and, uh, just like it's a few people, but it's like, because, um, there's that. You know, per, there's that expression like perfection is the enemy of the good, I think is what it is. And uh, and, and you, you guys seem to have found a really great balance of like keeping high output and high quality um, without just like driving something in the ground where you lose the essence excitement of it, you know. And uh, that's what I learned watching you guys work at, uh, at, the, at the Sonic Ranch. Well, I appreciate you saying that, you know, and, and that is what, what at least I try to do is, you know, let the song do what it needs to do and get the hell out of the way. 
You know, when you start with these genius master compositions that me and Cody bring, it's pretty easy, I imagine. It's on a similar platter already. You know, it's it's, it's (laughs) teed up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you walk into a studio and, and go, how about this bad, bad one right here? You know, I mean, Josh's job's pretty easy, man. He's just going, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Bam. It's song magic. I actually do uh, remember um, y'all were sitting there doing the wanting and uh, at, at the kitchen table and y'all were hitting the whoa part. And I was actually in the restroom right next door. Uh Taking taking a dump and y'all hit that and I just yelled through the door. I go, I love it. We got to keep it. Yeah. Well, and okay, and so I'm glad you brought that up because I was trying to I was I was I was trying to find a good way to get into that story because we because <laughs> yeah because TJ and I were in the house at the Adobe house writing that song and you were taking care of your business and taking care of my business. And yeah, I, I remember you getting real excited about that and then we went in and laid it down. And Eddie, Ed Spear, uh, our engineer uh, extraordinaire, he goes, he's like, oh, no, somebody needs to go get TJ. And I, I think you guys talked about it. You and Ed talked about it. And we're like, we got to get TJ in here. And we got we to gotta get TJ in here to track that song. And so, yeah, you just, we went and got TJ. And TJ came in and, and you sang that part like 50 freaking times, man. <laughs> you know we like we, we wore you out oh i don't mind that i i kind of get but that's where it gets back to kind of this whole like perfectionist nature which i'm trying to kind of like shake a little bit you know but uh but i just wanted it to be right you know and it wanted to be right he actually doesn't speak in a british accent outside that i've seen him around nashville and he's just a southern hick yeah, he, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a ruse that he's put on us oh. Yeah, just to get a little more money out of you guys. <laughs> we think he's better because he he sounds British. Yeah, British people are just more you know, high intellect. They're just better at their jobs because of the way they talk, of course. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to have to have Ed on this this podcast one day because you can wind him up, get him going. He's funny. Oh, he is a funny guy, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hey, TJ, uh, you, you you know, you spend so much time on the road, but I do want to get into a little bit of, of, of your upbringing because you spent a lot of your childhood on the road, but probably not as most people would think, you know, like a family band, but your, your, your folks were, were basically in the rodeo circuit, correct? Yeah, that is true. My dad was road saddle bronc and my mom was a barrel racer. And so it's very early on, um, up until the time I was about like, uh, I don't know, six or seven, but I was always in the, uh, in the truck. My parents just going rodeo to rodeo. They were, I was actually born in Belfouche, South Dakota, which uh, Belfouche means the Royal Fork. So it's not just any other fork. It's like it's royalty as a utensil to eat with. But the, uh, so they were driving around the Dakotas, North Dakota and South Dakota, and it was cold. And I just remember going to, uh, Rodeo to rodeo, and I would just fill up on like barbecue sandwiches and gum, and they get sick every every single rodeo. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a good it was good practice for uh, for this job, just being on the road. Um, I do, and I love the road too. There's just something about, and I love home. But you know how blessed we are to have a have a be able to be on the road, and then just uh, come home and enjoy home, and then get sick of home and want to be on the road. And you know, I don't know, it's a 
it's it's a good experience. This is a good existence that we have. It is. And, you know, speaking of being on the road, you and I have been on the road a lot together and all of everybody in this conversation has been on the road a lot together, but um, I've said this before, the tour that we finished out in, in, uh, in 2018 and because it was, it was you and us and the Steelwoods for about the last three months of that year. And we hit it real hard and we went everywhere and that, and I've said it before, that was my favorite tour that I've ever been on. And I crashed after that tour. I, I was so high on the hog, uh, emotionally and mentally after that tour, um, that I, I came home, man. And I, I got real depressed. Cause I was like, man, that's like the most fun shit I've ever been a part of. And, um, there's two instances that I, I want to talk about, uh, on that tour that just little short stories that just involved me and you, we were playing at the stage in Buffalo, New York, which shout out to Buffalo. I love that town. I love that venue. And the woods were uh, um, doing sound check, and you and I were standing there passing a bottle of vodka back and forth at like four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not condoning this or saying that was a great idea, but we were just standing there, just basically listening to our own private Steelwood show, just handing this bottle of I think it was Tito's. Tito's, yeah, and this bottle of Tito's back and forth. That was a favorite memory of mine. I've since quit drinking hard liquor, but that was a favorite memory. My favorite memory of that whole tour, we were in Philadelphia, and you and I decided that we were going to go to a bar down the road and have a drink. Uh, I told my, you know, I was like, hey, I'm going to run down with TJ. We're going to go down this little place, you know, two or three blocks down, have a beer, whatever. And you go tell Tiffany, hey, I'm on, you know, me and Cody's going to run down, you know. And, uh, and the first thing she says is, do you have your wallet? And you go, oh shit, no. And you didn't have your wallet or your ID on you or whatever. And so, uh, you got that and you and I set off and we're walking down the sidewalk. And (laughs) do you remember this conversation? Yeah, that sounds like something I would do. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but the conversation that we had that ensued while we were walking down the sidewalk in downtown Philadelphia was you look over and you go, um, have you noticed that you and I are walking completely side by side? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. You go, I think that's because both of us get lost so often that normally there's one person that walks kind of out in front and the rest of us that don't know where we're going uh, kind of walks a couple steps behind. Like when Josh and I go somewhere or Bobby Keith and I go somewhere, like I'm a couple steps behind, you know? And I was like, you know, I never thought about that. And you're like, you and I are like walking together. Like, we don't know where the hell we're going. I was like, well, we don't because we both get so lost. And we just had a, it was a great laugh. You know, it was one of those small things that I'll, I'll always remember about us walking down downtown Philadelphia, both of us trying desperately not to get lost our way to go to this bar. Well, I will say this though. It's hard to not walk side by side when you're holding hands. <laughs> so. Do you remember it? Uh, do you remember at the uh, Palm Factory? I think it was the first time I realized that I, another time I wasn't alone in this world. Um, we just walked around to kill some time and we were only like two blocks from the venue, but it was pretty obvious. Like I was kind of looking like, I'll just kind of like, obviously Cody knows where he's going. I'll just follow him. We both realized that neither one of us knew where the hell we were. 
and and had to kind of resort to like either a phone or like something to get back to the venue. I just have no sense of direction. Like and zero. That's a, and that's a town I'm I'm very familiar with. Yeah, I've gotten lost driving home, even in Hugo. So yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable how we can do that. And you know, y'all, I, I promise this is these guys are not sandbagging. I have seen with my own eyes <laughs> Cody get lost in a hotel room. Not like a big one, like just a normal hotel room. The room. Yeah. I've seen him get lost in the room. Um, I don't ever let him out the door to go to the elevators by himself. Someone has to walk him there. It's it is the most unbelievable thing I've I've it, I've, I've ever seen. And TJ, yes, you you're right there. And TJ is my equal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, I have not met somebody as horrible. And that's why TJ makes me feel so much better about myself is because he is my equal. And, like, TJ can walk out his front door. And if he takes a wrong turn, he's probably going to get lost. And yeah. I know I know how hard it is, brother. They're like, it's like the ducklings. We just are, we're always turning around. Hey, no, no, guys, this way, this way. No, guys. <laughs> it's awful. Come on. You know, the is whenever we go to Cracker Barrel, like on the road, and I've got to get out and walk back where the van is. And I usually <laughs> walk around the entire Cracker Barrel before I realize it's like, oh, it was like I should have turned left coming out of the door. And uh, I just hope at that point that like now my bandmates have seen me at this point. So now they just kind of just laugh. But it's just like it's weird. I think it's just like God's personal joke. I think he likes to I think God likes to laugh. And I think every now and then he's like, I'm not going to give these people any sense of direction just for, because I'm, I made a master songwriter. So I'm going to take away, some, <laughs> I'm going to take away something else. You know? I'm not going to give it all to them. Like yeah. I, they, these guys may be able to go up and sing songs they wrote on stage, but ha ha, you can laugh at them trying to get to the stage. Yeah. You think Bob Dylan knows where he's going? No. <laughs> oh man i love it your perspective it's just uh that's right on but yeah we share that we share that together and uh man i tell you what brother i i miss you i we hadn't played together in a minute um we need to get together whether it's to ride or just to hang out anyway but uh you know it's new year and uh you're going to be getting busy uh what do you got coming up uh, we're just kind of plotting out the, the year from a show standpoint, and uh, I'm doing a lot of recording and just trying to – I want to try to make 2022 be the uh, the year that I put out the most amount of music because it seems like uh, the more music that I put out, the happier that I am and the more, uh, and the, the, the more good things happen. So I just want to kind of go out there and just put out a lot of stuff. And uh, I'm excited, man. I, I, I Like I said, I love New Year's. I love that the new people that I'm going to meet. I love the, uh, I love the new experiences and, and just the, the promise of it. You know, I think that we've been through so much bad stuff in the last couple of years that I think that, I think that things have to get worse sometimes before they get better. And I think we've been through some really bad stuff. So things are just going to start getting amazing. I hope at least that's the outlook that I have on it. And uh, if I'm wrong, at least in the meantime, between, Right now, and the time I realized I was wrong, at least I'll be happy and positive. You know, so yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with you, man. I was talking with um, I was talking with my management yesterday, as a matter of fact, and I I said, you know, I said, you know, playing playing shows makes me happy. I said, but uh, recording material makes me happy. And I said, there's a lot of material 
that I I want the band to go and, and record this year as well. And, and um, some originals, some covers, some uh, some some of the songs that you and I have written together that, you know, that we didn't record or put on the last record. There's like a box material. I, I know, dude. I mean, but here's the deal. You just can't put that many good songs on a record. No, people can't handle it, Cody. It's too much, man. It's, it's, it's too much. It's, it's it, too much. You've got to give people things at a, at a steady pace, at, at their pace. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to throttle back on being awesome as, as quite as much this year. But, you know, just put out a bunch of average shit. What a resolution. No, <laughs> no, we're, we're, no we're the same way. I just, I want to get in the studio and, and record a whole bunch of really cool shit this year, be they mine or be they somebody else's. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, when we're talking it, like, you know, we it seems like whenever, like, you, you know, you'll call one or one thirty or something like that, and I'll look up and it's like three thirty at the end, and it goes by in like fifteen minutes. But it's just it, the funny thing is, like, most of what we talk about is just like this is kind of tongue in cheek silliness, you know, um, yeah. just because I think that it's just like a, I think that in a lot of ways it's just a. I think our, our minds are kind of always running. And I think sometimes you just need a little bit of an escape. And sometimes, you know, your mind's going to keep running and see if you just got to occupy it in a way that's going to make you a little bit more, that's just going to make you laugh, you know? And really what it is, is just you got to try to enjoy and laugh about things. Well, the thing about it is, man, is that, you know, we're, we're both in our own headspace, especially at that time of night. And I may have had a few beers and I want to talk to somebody that is at least on my intelligence level. Well, exactly. And, and sometimes I'll, sometimes when you'll call and you've been doing, you've been eating a bunch of mushrooms, I feel like I'll start a few hours later, you'll answer the, 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 the question that I, that I bring up. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it does help having like a genius level of comedic timing as well as being able to like, you know, write these songs. But, uh, but yeah, man, I think this is, this podcast has been just brilliant. It's genius. I thank you so much. You know, it helps when you have just brilliant genius guests, you know, like yourself on. But uh Well and Bobby Keith too, just like chiming in so much, talking about everything. I didn't want to interrupt, man. Y'all had it going good. I, I had a couple of things I wanted to ask, but y'all are doing good. <laughs> fire, fire away, Bobby Keith. I just wanted to say like the Miller Light thing, man, how cool it was, how long they kept your your music on there because you broke a record, they said. Oh, yeah, man, that the uh, from so that song Soul. I think mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah, they you know they ended up using it for like a year and a half, which mm-hmm. is great um, because it uh it enables you to do you know in this job so many times you're kind of like a lot of the things that you want to do are not necessarily the things that are the biggest like to keep the lights on, you know, and so sometimes if you can you can have something that's on your record keep the lights on for like a year and a half, um, and enable and enable you to do things that like uh. That, that you know that you're gonna actually spend money doing basically um is a great thing so which is this just the business in general you know you're constantly just like you're always battling art versus commerce and so if they can ever align it's like it's perfect you know you guys have gotten to a point where it's just like you're just doing whatever the hell you want and it's able to keep the lights on you know so it's a great thing but it's just like very few people have the uh the stick to itness or the drive to to just say like, you know what, sink or swim, we're going to do our music, we're going to do it the way we want to do it. And uh, I'm sure you'd do it whether it was in a Holiday Inn, you know, and, or, you know, at two in the morning or whether it's like in a, you know, a huge 
packed arena. You know, it's just, it's either in you or it's not, you know. I've and been so, telling people here at Team Jinx, man, we go above and beyond for the consumer. I, I tell mean, people I were, that. I would, if I were you, I'd say Team Jinx all the time. I do. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's, it's become a thing. Yeah. Here at Team Jinx. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll, we'll keep you another couple minutes if that's okay. Cause that's uh, we'll have, uh, we have this section that, that we call, why do I know this? Mm. And um, it's basically uh, Josh and Bobby Keith asking you some really uh, the tough questions really. So uh, guys, man, get him. Well, I think Bobby Keith's on the roll now. You've got the Mo. So how about you? How about you go, bub? Uh, favorite 2 a.m. meal. Favorite 2 a.m. meal. Uh, tapioca pudding lately. All right. Favorite video game, past or present? Uh, well, it would have to be past. Um, and that is going to be Baseball Stars from the original NES. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Good one. And uh, last... Oh, man, I forgot. Hang on. Oh, man, hang on. Did you did you forget your question? Yeah, man. How did I do that? Favorite 2 a.m. meal? I don't know how I forgot this. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, morning person <laughs> or a night owl? Well, I'm definitely a night owl, but I love the times never. If I drink too much gin or wine, I wake up really early, and I'm ready to just get the day going. Um, but I'm a night owl for sure. Yeah, me too, man. All right, TJ. Um, what is your, what's, first of all, what's your favorite music venue to play? Um, favorite music venue to play? Uh, I love the Ryman Auditorium. Be the, that'd probably be I Oh, and the, the Fillmore. And the, we did that on that Willie Run. Fillmore in San Francisco was just pretty awesome. Yeah. And what, what about to see a show? To see a show? Um, I don't really like music, so it's tough to, for me to decide where I'd want to see anyone play that. No. Mm. Uh, fuck, that's tough. That's a good question. Uh, favorite place to see a show? It would have to be a small venue, so there's not a, a ton of people around. Yeah. Um, probably have to say, oh, I'd say the Ryman again, actually. Yeah, it is. It does have that small, small feel, even though it it's does. what. Yeah, it. I mean, it, it's a great place for a show. So that is Matt. not a not a horrible answer at all. Hey, uh, do you like ice cream? And if you do, what is your least favorite ice cream? I love ice cream, and my least favorite ice cream would be. I've never had any bad ice cream. You like it all? I've never had any that I didn't, that I didn't like. Like, like, so you'll eat the pistachio and mint pistachio and all that kind of weird crap. Mint pistachios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would imagine if there was ever a flavor of ice cream that was bologna flavored, I would not like that. But <laughs> okay. every other flavor of ice cream I like. Okay. So, well, I mean, awesome. I'll take you on an ice cream date. You can have whatever you want. Yeah, Baskin right. Robbins. <clears throat> Ooh, all, all 31. Yeah. Um, last one. Do you believe in ghosts, TJ? Um, I do believe in ghosts, and I believe that our DNA can be changed by um, the experiences of our ancestors as well. 
And we will have next week <laughs> with TJ, we will expound on that. And uh, please tune in. They call that genetic memory. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Next week, we will talk to TJ about genetic memory. Okay. Love it. Wow. We're going to see. That's what you're talking about. You can either talk about fart jokes or genetic memory <laughs> with our friend TJ. Well, hey. Yeah, this is just for you, Cody. This is a, I just got a, a timpani. Oh, did you really? It's in your living room, isn't it? Yeah, see, it's uh, oh, I thought you said you got a Tiffany. I, we knew that well, you got a <laughs> Tiffany and a Tiffany, but um, I watch, uh, I walk down the street sometime with this thing. I wheel, it's got wheels on it, and whenever there's, whenever there's a very large gentleman that happens to fall down, then I go like this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one particular large gentleman that just happens to fall down in front of your house a lot? Uh, yeah, there, there actually is. I don't judge and I'm not doing it to be mean. I just feel like it needs a sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. Yeah. He's a person. So he, de he deserves it. So that's why I do it. That's fantastic. I love, I love your outlook on life. As as in songwriting, so um, golly man, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being my guinea pig so long ago. Uh, whenever I was testing this podcast thing out, I don't think that I've gotten much better at it. But uh, you know, it, it took me three seasons to get you to say yes to do it again. Well, from that first podcast, I was like, "Shit, this guy's like perfect podcaster. How's he going to get any better?" And I don't think you have gotten any better. Because okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Thanks, my, TJ. My friend, Tennessee Jet, TennesseeJet.com, Facebook, Tennessee Jet, Twitter, at Tennessee Jet. Go to those locales for your Tennessee Jet news. Go pick up his new record, South Dakota. He's got some new stuff coming out later this year, as he just shared with us. Um Man, best of 2022 to you. Uh, I hope we run into each other sooner or later. We're going to have to find time to do that. But I uh, I value our friendship. I love you so much. And thank you for being with us today. Likewise. Love you all. And uh, hope to see you out there on the road this year. All right. So for, uh, for me, myself, and I, you have been a couple in with Cody Jinks. Josh Thompson, Bobby Keith Kilgore, and our special friend, touring mate, songwriter extraordinaire, and all-around great guy, Mr. Tennessee Jet. All the best to him, and uh, we will see you guys next time.